0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey Daily Crime listeners, a quick warning. This episode includes discussion of crimes committed against children. If you'd like to skip this episode, as always, we'll be back with another one tomorrow. Thanks. Coming up. The crime scene the faces of the parents struggling, the tears coming down their faces, the faces of the children in the hospital beds will be something that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life as will every first responder that was there last night. It's untenable, unconscionable and is pure evil in my mind. For Vault Studios I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to the Daily Crime
1: medic like, but there's some child victims on Wilding Lane south of the intersection with State Street.
2: And we have new information now on that stabbing that police and officials have been responding to since eight forty seven tonight. So we're gonna head back out to Natalie Shaver for that new information, hey Natalie. So BPD just tweeted that there are nine victims in this stabbing. They say they were, t- they t- in their tweet, they said that they were taken to a hospital and they're being treated for their injuries. That's the newest information we have. So we now know that there are nine victims who were taken to the hospital to be treated for their injuries in this stabbing.
0: That was the news back in June of 2018 in Boise, Idaho, a horrific day. And just recently, there's been a final chapter in the story. I'm joined again this week by Katie Turhune, a web reporter at KTV in Boise, Idaho. Katie, thanks for being here once again this week. What happened back in June 2018?
1: So this was uh, back in in June of 2018. It was a mass stabbing at a children's birthday party, which is virtually unheard of. Boise does not have a ton of crime, and it certainly does not have crime like that. Uh, This was a a group of people who had gathered together for a three-year-old girl's birthday party, uh at an apartment complex in Boise that sort of abuts a park so they were outside the kids were running around uh celebrating her birthday and a man that no one knew walked up to the party and began stabbing people he stabbed three adults and six children including Ruya Kadir the 3-year-old whose birthday it was uh and she ultimately died from her injuries
0: it's just so Awful to utter those words—a stabbing at a children's birthday party—and to think of something like that happening.
1: Well, that that day was a complete horror show. I mean, no one knew what was happening. Every cop car, every ambulance in town showed up at this apartment complex. And uh another thing that was going on is um, the families that were involved were all refugees from a couple of different countries, Syria, Iraq, and Ethiopia, mostly. Boise is a big refugee resettlement area. So we get a lot of new Americans, a lot of refugees who come into town and are resettled here from their original countries. And uh, of course, that's the first thing in everyone's mind. There was a lot of anti-refugee, anti-immigrant rhetoric going on around the country at the time. And uh, certainly that was my first thought of, oh, my God, did this happen because they're refugees? Did this happen because someone is targeting this group in in particular? And it, it turned out later that, no, that was not the case at all. This was as random of a crime as you get. Uh, Timmy Kenner, the, the man who stabbed everyone, uh, didn't live in that complex. He didn't know Ruya. He didn't know her family. He didn't know any of the people involved. He had had... Um, a previous issue, I guess, with a woman he had met who lived at that apartment complex and he got a knife and he came back to her apartment, but she wasn't home. So we just sat around outside and uh, he happened upon this party and, and these children playing outside. 12-year-old Isram Habate and 11-year-old Fatih
2: Mohammed were playing outside Saturday night when the mass stabbing began. you saw, saw him saying, like, bad words and And killing her and stabbing our friends. And stabbing a kid, uh, a grown-up, and really hard a lot of times. The children were scared, but Eastram knew they needed to get to safety. We saw a killer and we didn't want to get stabbed. I brought him, my, my two sisters, and one more kid in the closet. Locking the door behind them. We we was, were on crying. the phone with the police. He was crying. We were on the phone with the police, and they they thought we were waiting until they they told us they caught they caught him and then went outside. The stabbing sent nine people to the hospital. Six of the victims are children. The unsettling attack leaving people in shock. Dozens and dozens of people stopped by the scene. Some hoping to reunite with people they know, like Leela Cabrera. She's a teacher who works with adult refugees. Many of her students live at the apartment complex. A
0: little better. I don't feel good, but I feel a little better that I know um, that people are okay. And this is the thing. These guys are survivors. That's why I teach them. That's why they give me the energy that
2: I have when I teach them and why, why I'm here. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hello com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
0: All right, so Katie, what happened next? How did they catch up with the suspect?
1: He was caught that same night. He was caught very quickly. Uh, he was still in the area. He had taken the, the knife used in the stabbing and thrown it into a little canal that runs through the area, just like sort of a, a trail of running water. Um, but they found him. Uh, everyone at the scene was able to say, that's him. That's the, that's the man who was attacking us. And he was taken into custody very, very quickly. Uh, they were able to recover the knife out of the water eventually as well. But, uh, that scene was absolute chaos because there were, uh, in addition to Ruya, who was, had been stabbed in the heart, ended up being airlifted to another hospital out of our area uh, and ultimately couldn't be saved. Um, the injuries that kids and adults suffered in this were horrific. I mean, this was not a, a cut on somebody's hand. There was a woman was stabbed in the neck uh, with such violence that she's partially paralyzed. She can't really use her her leg and her arm on that side. Um, he slashed a seven-year-old boy across the face, just like completely laid him open so much that it like cut some of his teeth out. His teeth were falling out of his mouth. He stabbed a two-year-old who was being carried in her in her mother's arms and then stabbed that woman, the mother, a dozen times or more. I mean, these were really, really severe injuries and the type of injuries that you don't see happening to children almost ever. I mean, that's that is not the sort of injuries that children come into the hospital with. And then all of a sudden, here's six of them. And here's three really badly injured adults. So even of the people who survived, which was all but Ruya, um, ultimately survived their injuries, but they were not okay. And a lot of them are still not okay.
0: And Kenner has been behind bars since then, right?
1: Yes. So his case took kind of a circuitous route. He was arrested at the scene covered in blood and again you think that's sort of a an easy shoe-in for a conviction because he had all these people who said yes this man just walked up and started stabbing us and he was captured at the scene it wasn't days or weeks or, or years later like we've seen in some other cases um so he was immediately arrested was housed in the ada county jail here um but his case sort of took a turn after he was um ruled incompetent to stand trial so uh The people who examined him came to the decision that he was not mentally able to understand what was happening to him because he is mentally ill. He's a a paranoid schizophrenic, I believe, and has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So pretty severe mental illness. Um, And in Idaho, there is no insanity defense the way you think of it on on tv um but in order to proceed forward to a trial they have to be able to understand what's happening and they have to be able to assist their attorneys in their own defense and they came to the conclusion that he was not uh lucid enough to do that so he sort of entered this legal limbo where He wasn't getting out of jail. They can't just release him out into the street. Uh, But the case couldn't move forward to trial. So he was held in custody and underwent a lot of mental health treatment and was given a lot of medication um, with the goal of making him lucid enough or mentally competent enough to stand trial on these charges. And it took years. I mean, it it took a lot of years, um, but ultimately... Uh, he his competency was reso- restored, I guess is what they say, and uh, got put back on the docket heading towards trial.
0: So this never went to trial, correct?
1: He actually pleaded guilty. So this was another one that it was it was set for trial and um, they were going to pursue the death penalty for him in this case. And he ultimately was able to hammer out a plea deal between the defense and prosecutors. Uh, which essentially is called for fixed life in prison. So, prison with no hope of parole ever for as long as he lives. Um, but he wouldn't be executed. So, that's kind of the trade-off.
0: Katie, I know you were there. This was a very emotional sentencing hearing, correct?
1: Yes. So, he took that plea deal in March. He was sentenced earlier earlier in June. For a lot of the families, you kind of have to understand uh, it's hard to understand what's happening in court when it goes into this sort of morass of, of competency. Um, they knew that they'd been wronged. This mother knew that her child was dead, but nothing was happening and they weren't seeing this guy and they weren't hearing from him in court. They weren't hearing from the lawyers um, necessarily about what was going on in the case. Uh So for a lot of them, it seemed like this was kind of the, their first opportunity to look at him and confront him. Um, their victim impact statements or even just look across the courtroom and there he is because he caused a lot of damage to a lot of people's lives and then sort of vanished into jail and they didn't hear anything more about it so tensions were definitely running high which is understandable um the mother of ruya kadir uh gave this emotional statement through a translator she doesn't speak english so she would speak and then the translator would speak it out loud in english so kenner and the other people in the room could understand what she was saying and um i mean pretty fiery stuff i mean she asked why he would kill her child why he'd target a three-year-old uh she told him that she was going to make sure that she outlives him and then find out where he was buried and go spit on his grave which is not something i have heard in court before um, but ultimately there was a moment after, after the victim impact statements, after she had spoken out loud, talked to, given her impact statement to Kinner, uh, where the prosecutor on the case was reading through kind of a timeline of what happened when, who was stabbed, in what order, and sort of the severity of their injuries. And he had gone through this fairly grisly scene of children being stabbed, Kinner pursuing Women as they ran away, hiding and then jumping out and stabbing someone. Um, a lot of pretty scary stuff. And he got to the point where he was talking about Ruya. And, uh, the prosecutor said that he, he gathered up Ruya in his arms, Kenner did, stabbed her in the heart, and then threw her on the ground. And at that point, Ruya's mother, Sort of lost it in the courtroom and she picked up this big metal water bottle kind of like a hydro flask and she threw it really hard across the room towards him trying to hit him and she just started screaming she was screaming at him she left up off the bench uh, the pews in the courtroom and rushed towards him to, trying to get him. Uh, and at that point, I mean, there's a lot of security in courtrooms. There were bailiffs. There were U.S. Marshals. So they sort of spirit Kinner away and out, out a side door. And all these marshals were on her trying to stop her and, and kind of get her into, not into custody, but trying to control her. And she was silly. Well, she got like a tissue box and threw it at him as, as he was being hustled out of there. Uh, and it took, I mean, five or six of them. I mean, they, she was, I, I have this vision of her standing in the middle of the courtroom, you know, with all these people on her trying to like pull her to the ground, pull her out of the room, and her just not going. And she was screaming her daughter's name. She was just screaming. And ultimately, they were able to, to pull her out of the room, um, and, and calm her down. And uh, after that, her and her husband, Rita's father, uh, they had them stay out of the courtroom and watch like a live stream of the proceedings so there wouldn't be more disruption or so she wouldn't uh, you know, try to hit him with anything again.
2: Well, we understand that there's continued healing to be done and we know that today was a very difficult day. We know that their loss is not gone. That- Feeling of care has not gone away, and we will continue to be there and stand in solidarity with them. This is still a caring and welcoming community, and a safe place to be.
0: And again, you were there to cover the hearing. It must have been uh, a really powerful experience to witness all of what happened.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know, you talk about closure. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any for that family. Her grief in the courtroom that day seemed as strong as it must have been the day her daughter died so i don't think time has lessened anything for her and you know it's something to be said that they won't have to think about him again he got he ended up sentenced to two fixed life sentences plus an additional 120 years so that's if he was able to get out on one of the one of the life sentences was overturned well you know there's another one waiting in the wings so this is all but guaranteed he's going to die in prison uh but i don't know what what amount of comfort that's going to be
0: katie thanks again for being here on the show and we appreciate you telling us about this thank you Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a great review if you like what you hear. And if you'd like to learn more about the show and Vault Studios, check out our Facebook group, Inside the Crime Vault.